You're listening to the Matthew Sermon Series at Sojourn Midtown. In this series, we are following Jesus as He calls us to take on His yoke so that we may experience true flourishing. Well, peace be with you. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you for your faithfulness towards us. And I pray, Father God, that you would speak now to us, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I want to uh, help us to kind of find our place and where we are in Matthew's narrative as we continue to go through the book of Matthew. So to do so, we've got a quick uh, screenshot of of what we've been talking about and where we are so that we can kind of know where we're going. And uh, from chapter 21 to chapter 28, uh, you can call uh, this section maybe the clash of kingdoms, the clash of uh, the kingdom of God uh, versus the kingdom of darkness. And we see in chapter 21, uh, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and uh, and really Jesus uh, getting ready for uh, his death. And this is all taking place in the last week of his uh, life before he is resurrected. We see a temple conflict in chapters 21 and chapter 22. Jesus comes into the temple, he flips tables, he heals, he teaches, and his authority is questioned by the religious leaders or spiritual leaders of his day. In chapters 23 and 24, we see that Jesus pronounced judgment on the religious leaders, on the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, as well as on uh, Judaism um, as it was being practiced as a result of the religious leaders leading people astray. And we talked about how Jesus uh, gave a prediction of the temple being uh, destroyed and how that came about. And he mixed in with that this message of um, the end times. Today, we're going to look at some end time parables, chapter 24 in chapter 25. And in these chapters, we're going to see about five parables that is a kind of predicting and talking about uh, the end of the world. And the point that we're going to make today is eschatology or uh, messages about the, the coming of Jesus um, is meant to keep us faithful now. Jesus doesn't give us parables about the end times in order to make us fanatics about the end times, where we are trying to predict when he is coming. Rather, Jesus gives us these parables and he gives us these these prophecies and these images so that we will be faithful in the present, so that we will be good stewards of what he has given us now. Following uh, these chapters, we're going to then turn and start looking at the plot to kill Jesus. And each of these bullet points are coming sermons. We're going to look at Jesus' last meal with his disciples, how Jesus was arrested and betrayed, Peter's denial, Jesus' suffering, Jesus' death. And then on Easter Sunday, we'll be in chapter 28 with Jesus' resurrection. And let me tell you, that was not easy to plan, okay? So, all right. Thank you. All right. And finally, we're going to end with uh, the Sunday after Easter, Jesus into the world. We're going to look at the Great Commission. So I just wanted you guys to kind of have a vision of where we've been as well as where we're going. And we're going to uh, dig in now. And so in talking about preparing for Christ's return, 
And talking about the end times, I know that most people here have some type of story about predictions of the end, right? Um, I was talking to a, a close friend, and they were telling me that their church growing up had rapture practice. You heard it right, rapture practice, where uh, they would be in their seats, and the person leading worship or preaching would get up, and they would say, the rapture has come. And the last person standing wasn't prepared for the rapture, right? I had a lot of questions for them, (laughs) but this is a real thing. This is what they did on Sunday mornings. They prepare for the rapture. Some of you have read books and novels about the end times, and you've been shaped by these books or movies like Left Behind. And your vision of the end times comes from that rather than from the word. But the end times has literally knocked on all of our door at some point. Did you know that Jehovah Witnesses um, believe uh, and believe that in 1914, Christ was going to be returned and so was going to return. And so their method of door to door knocking um, was out of a doctrinal belief um, that they needed to warn people that Christ was returning in 1914. I also read another uh, cult this week that was interesting I'd never heard about called The True Way. It was a Taiwanese uh, cult in which uh, their leader believed that uh, Jesus would appear on American cable television on the morning of March 34, uh, 31st, 1998. And he moved uh, here to Garland, Texas, along with many of his followers with this belief. And the reason they picked Garland, Texas is because Garland, Texas sounded like God land. And so, of course, Jesus did not return on March 31st, 1998. And because he did not return, he encouraged his followers to crucify him, to which they refused to. Well, at least he believed in accountability. All right. (laughs) And many of us live through the Y2K scare of 1999, going into the new millennium. And uh, some of us stockpiled or had parents that stockpiled uh, goods, believing that the world was going to come to an end because there was some computer error that could not compute uh, the year 2000. And as a result, chaos was going to happen. And oh, by the way, Jesus was crucified and uh, resurrected about 2000 years ago, right? And so we all have grown up, we all have been impacted by these narratives of the end of the world. And and sadly so, uh, because we have not thought through this issue with our Bibles open, um, we have been deceived. And we kind of missed the point of what Jesus taught about the end of the world. And in essence, what we want to look at today is what I said earlier. End time prophecies, parables are meant to encourage faithfulness now not to make us fanatics. In fact, Matthew is going to encourage us in today's uh, passage to stay alert and to keep watch. But when Matthew says stay alert and keep watch, he's not saying stay alert and keep a newspaper open so that you can predict the day that Jesus is coming. He's saying stay alert by being prepared and faithfully following Jesus as his steward. And we're going to see that by looking at uh, four parables. Now, you may say, Pastor Jamal, why in the world are we taking such large group of scriptures? We're going to go all the way to chapter 25 to 30. And this is the reason why we've been doing larger passages here recently. I think that 
uh, sometimes in us reading the Bible and even hearing sermons, we miss how the Bible is interconnected. And we miss the theological mind of the author. Uh, This is Matthew's magnum opus. This is his theological treatise. This is his testimony about what Jesus did in his life and in his followers' life. And he has sat decades and put these stories together in a very meaningful way. And it's like crop circles. The higher you get up from individual passages and you're able to see them all, the more you're able to see the mind of the Spirit work. So we're going to quickly go through these passages. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today, but I want you to see what does it mean to stay alert? What does it mean to be faithful? How is Jesus telling of these end time parables meant to cultivate faithfulness in us now? Now, staying alert is hard. Being prepared for the end times, especially because we don't know exactly when Christ is going to come out, come come back, has its challenges. For example, it's hard to stay alert because all around us, the wicked seem to be prospering. People who are not faithful to Jesus seem to be getting ahead. It's hard to stay alert because discouragement from the three headed monster is 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 constant. This undivine trinity of uh, the world, the flesh, and Satan is always present. It's hard to stay alert because of life disappointments. We all have a wish list. We all have these things in our minds that we have worked out, and, and we believe that if our life just goes this way, we will be happy, and we will be more likely to be faithful to Jesus. And when those wish lists, when those dreams are not coming into fruition, we become discouraged because we are simultaneously saints, sufferers, and sinners. It's hard to stay alert because of the problem of evil. What do you do with the fact that that, that people are, are murdered and, and, and kids go, go missing and, and untimely deaths. But yet, as Christians, we can stay alert, we can keep watch, and we can be encouraged because we have a Savior who has proven his trustworthiness to us. In the midst of pain, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of world chaos, in the midst of our own brokenness, we can stay alert and we can be faithful to King Jesus because he has died, he's resurrected, he's ascended, and he's promising that he's going to return. So there's four reasons to stay alert and and that we're going to see in today's passage. And the first is this. The text tells us to stay alert because Christ's return will be unexpected. The second is stay alert because Christ's return could come surprisingly soon. The third is stay alert because Christ's return could be surprisingly delayed. And then finally, we're going to look at stay alert because only good and faithful servants will be rewarded. So, The first thing we want to look at today and the first parable that we're going to unpack is stay alert because Christ's return will be unexpected. And last week's sermon, we left off talking about the unpredictableness of Christ's return. In Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus says this. Now concerning that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the son except the father alone. 
And when a scripture says no one knows when the Son of Man is going to come, it means no one knows. And so when we hear people predicting the end of the world and that they know the time, we automatically, automatically should know that they don't know what they're talking about. They're a false prophet and we should go in the opposite way. Listen to what Jesus said in chapter, uh, the same chapter, verses 43 through 44. But know this, if a homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken in. This is why you are also to be ready because the son of man, and this is a title that Jesus gave himself based off of a prophecy in Daniel chapter seven, for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You don't know when he's coming back. And so Jesus makes that point very clear. And so in chapter 24 through chapter 25, there's going to be a series of parables, four more parables that Jesus is going to tell that is going to help the early church to prepare for his return. And what we want to look at next is is his point that we ought to stay alert because his return could come surprisingly soon. Look at your Bibles. Look at verse 45. The text reads, Who then is faithful and wise servant, whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed, happy is the servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But if the wicked servant says in his heart, my master is delayed and starts to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, that servant's master will come on a day. Here's his main point here. He does not expect. And at an hour, he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus's point here um, is going to be made in the, in the way in which he tells his story. There's three main characters. And in each of these parables, there's the character of the master. And our next parable is not going to be a master, but it's going to be a, a groom who's going to play the role of a master. And then we see here that there are two types of servants, faithful servants and wise servants. The master goes away. And while he's away, the unwise servant uh, decides in his heart that he is going to take advantage of people and he's going to live wildly. He's going to drink. He's going to be a gluttonous. He's going to live life for his own advantage because he is expecting his master to delay. But rather than his master delaying, his master surprises him and shows up early. And the point that Jesus is making is that we need to stay alert. We must be faithful servants because Christ could come soon. Christ could return tomorrow. Christ could return next week. Christ can return tonight. So stay alert. We see in this text that the unwise servant is met with judgment. And we want to see that in each of these parables. Look at what's described here. That servant's master will come on a day he does not expect and at an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, which points us back to chapter 23, the woes of the Pharisees and how they were constantly called hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
So Jesus uses this strong metaphor for judgment that the person who is not faithful, who is not staying alert, who says that they are following God, but who are living wildly for their own advantage will be met with judgment. And he describes hell as a place of being cut into pieces, of crying and gnashing of teeth. And so Jesus's main point for us today is to make sure that we are alert because he can return soon. And my question for you today is, how are you living? How are you living? Are you being alert and are you living as if Christ could come today? Are you being faithful to what he has called you to, a faithful servant? Are you walking in your purpose and in good works that God has prepared for you? Or are you living in active disobedience? Are you holding a grudge against someone and refusing to forgive them, knowing that Jesus told us to forgive our uh, debtors as we have been forgiven. And the person who does not forgive the one who has sinned against us will not be forgiven. Are you excessively drinking? Are you partying? Are you getting high to numb yourself from reality rather than trust in Jesus and allow him to heal you? Are you being unfaithful to someone you're dating, to your spouse, Are you sleeping around, fornicating? Are you cheating at work or depriving a people of justice? Christ could return today. And I was reminded of this this week as I was reflecting that not only do we want to stay alert now because Christ, the perusa of Christ could could come and he can crack open the sky today, but because tomorrow is not promised to us individually. I remember when I was in high school, I lost uh, two close friends suddenly, unexpectedly to suicide. And it was a very discombobulating uh, time in my life. And then right after that, a guy that I looked up to who was two years older than me, his name was Warren. Uh, Warren got into a car accident as a red uh, person ran a, a red light and he was gone just like that. And then within the last month, two individuals that I've known, one that I knew uh, intimately for some time um, and personally is a better way to say it. And another that I knew uh, uh, through uh, someone else uh, died at just 25 and 26 years old in a car accident unexpectedly. Tomorrow is not promised to you. The story is told of a rabbi who taught his disciples And he would say to his disciples, repent one day before your death. And he would say that to him, repent one day before your death. And finally, one of his students asked, and he says, well, how do you know when it's one day before your death? He says, well, it's all the more reason to repent today. At least you die tomorrow. And someone in here is waddling in sin. And you say that you're faithful to Jesus. If Christ was to return today and your heart is is hard and callous and that you are constantly choosing sin over him. Telling yourself, oh, it's okay. I can just live any way I want because his grace can cover it. Be careful. For that may be a sign of you not knowing Jesus. Second. Stay alert 
Or third, because Christ's return could be surprisingly delayed. Verse 25, chapter 25, verse 1, it says, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Then the foolish took their lamps. They didn't take oil with them, but the wise ones took oil in their flasks with their lamps. When the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout. Here's the groom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. The wise ones answered, no, there won't be enough for us and for you. Going instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. And when they had gone to buy some, the groom arrived and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. And later the rest of the virgins also came and said, Master, Master, open up for us. And he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Listen to this. Therefore, be alert because you don't know either the day or the hour. So again, this is all in one setting. Jesus is telling these stories. So after warning people to stay alert because he could return surprisingly soon, now he gives an illustration of the parable and he says, listen, stay alert because I can delay. And he does it again. And the characters here are a bride, a bridegroom and bridesmaids. That's what the 10 virgins were. Um, and of course, when Jesus is telling these stories, the point of the story is the main point, not all the nuances. Some people get like caught up in all the nuances. They'll argue maybe the 10 virgins is like teaching polygamy. It's like, no, that's not what it's teaching. Or maybe the oil in the lamp means this or that. And we get all into these different analogies and metaphors. And that's not the point. The main point Jesus was making in this story was that he could actually delay and that there are people who will be wise and people who are living unwise. And the difference between the wise and the unwise is not that they fell asleep. All right. Uh, Jesus doesn't rebuke them for falling asleep. It's after midnight. It's natural to go to sleep. In the same way, as we talk about staying alert, we're not talking about 24-hour um, intensity about Jesus, where we just walk around like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And everywhere you go, you like are Jesus juking people. And you got jokes like, yeah, yo, dog, but did you know Jesus? Like, he's not talking about being weird, right? Uh, what he's saying is in the everyday flow and rhythms of life, make sure you've prepared. Make sure you have oil. And here's what he means. So back then, um, one of the traditions that um, uh, was custom in, in some uh, Jewish communities was that the groom and the bride, um, part of their celebration is, is that they would go and they would get the bridesmaids and the bridesmaids would have torches and they would escort them into the festival or the banquet where all the drinking and eating was, right? And so this is a big thing. And for a bridesmaid to not have oil for their friends or this woman in their community's big day would have been seen as irresponsible and callous of heart. In the same way, Jesus is saying those who are alert and those who are faithful, they are taking care of what he has called them to take care of. They are seeking first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. And so my question for you uh, today is, are you prepared in case Christ delays? If Christ doesn't come back in the next five years, 10 years or in your lifetime, are you living the Christian life and treating it as if it is a marathon and not a sprint? You prepare differently if you're a sprint runner versus a marathon. Are you prepared to go the long haul or in your mind, are you thinking if my wish list doesn't come true, if God doesn't provide in this way, if the suffering doesn't let up, if the dream job doesn't come, I am going to be unfaithful to Jesus because he hasn't given me what I want. If things don't line up in the way that I want, I'm out. God's invitation for us is to stay alert and to be prepared for the long haul with Jesus. Fourth, stay alert because Christ will bless faithful stewards when he returns. Now, this is the last section and it's the longer section. It's the last story that he's going to tell. And in fact, the way that I read this is Jesus saying, stay alert because I may come surprisingly soon. Stay alert because I may um, surprisingly delay. And I think this last story is uh, showing us practically what does it look like to stay alert. And what it looks like to stay alert is to be a good and a faithful servant. Listen to look at verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one, he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. Then he went on a journey, and immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man who had earned two uh, put them to work and earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, And he hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge over many. Listen, share your master's joy. The man who had two talents also approached. He said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you, uh, I will put you in charge over many things. Share your master's joy. But the man who received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. Listen to this. You are a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went off and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. The master replied, you evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have more than enough. 
but from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good for nothing servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what is Jesus teaching? We have, uh, again, a faithful servant and a non-faithful servant, two faithful servants. And I think it's important for us to understand um, a few things about this, this parable. One, uh, it's interesting that our English word talent actually comes from the use of the Greek word here in this passage. In the first century Roman world, a talent was the largest uh, uh, type of, of currency equivalent to 20 years of income at minimum wage. But this passage isn't about um, economic wealth. Here, Jesus is using something common to teach a spiritual truth. And so in the sermon, we see that five talents are given to one servant, two talents to another, and one to another. Those who were faithful and uh, who put their talents to work um, doubled their investment, and they were celebrated as good and faithful, and they were invited into the master's joy and was able to uh, reap the benefit of their work. While the one who did not put it to work, but who buried it, Um, was not. And he had a harsh judgment that came. But what's interesting about um, the wicked servant and what he had to say about his master is he claimed to know his master. He claimed to know his master. And look at what he called his master. He called his master harsh. He called his master essentially evil, expecting people to, to reap in areas that he have not sown. And notice how the master responds to him. He's like, listen, the issue is not me being evil. The issue is actually you are evil and you are lazy. See, this servant really didn't know his master. And because he didn't know his master, he wasn't faithful about his master's business. And the point of this parable is this. Everything that God gives us, our talents, our spiritual gifts, our possessions, our abilities, our opportunities, our time, our circumstances. He commands and expects us to steward them well. And part of being a Christian is being faithful to what Jesus has given us. And we are faithful to what Jesus has given us not in our own strength or in our own work, but because Jesus has also given us a new heart and new eyes. And and he has made us alive. And now his kingdom is what is up of the utmost importance because we see him as our master, not as one who is harsh, not as one who is evil, but one whose yoke is is easy and his burden is light. We have come to see him because he is the one who has met us in our morning, who has comforted us in our in our weeping, who has quenched our hunger as we've hungered and thirst and righteousness. We have become his servants because we realize how much he has served us that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That though he is in control of the whole entire cosmos, he became a human being, put on human flesh 
made himself susceptible to everything that we are. And he said, the son of man did not come to be served. Yo, even though he owns everything in the world, when he became human, he didn't set himself up as the person who came to, to be served, but rather as the person who came to serve. And he came to seek and to save those who are lost. And those who are faithful servants are those who trust the master's heart. And it's those who make up in their mind whether he surprises us and comes early or he delays and doesn't come in my lifetime. I am going to be faithful to him. And notice what's repeated in this last passage. Good and faithful servant. Well done. Oh, I'm so glad that he said good and faithful servant. I'm so glad that what he said was good and faithful servant, not perfect and flashly, not pristine and trendy, not great and the leader of a multitude, but good and reliable servant. You've been good with the friendships and faithful with the relationships that I've given you. You've been faithful with the possessions that I've given you by investing into eternity, by storing your finances well so that people who don't know the gospel can come and know the gospel. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the spiritual gifts that I've given you. Even in your timidity and fear, you've trusted my love, believing that I have not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And you're stepping out on faith and using what you are good at for my glory. You've been faithful to build relationships with people that you don't know, that you know don't uh, love Jesus. You've been a faithful servant at work, a faithful Christian in the midst of a culture that is vulgar, a culture that teases you. Good and faithful servant, well done. Not perfect and flashy, but reliable, gritty. and faithful. And that's what Jesus wants us to see. Don't obsess about the particular day or time that he's coming. Just be faithful now. In the midst of your suffering, just be faithful now. In the midst of your internal doubts and chaos and turmoil, look to him Be faithful. Know that he empathizes with you in your weakness, that he was a man just like you and was sinless through temptation so that as you look to him by faith, you can be forgiven of your sins, declared righteous, and be completely and fully loved. Just be faithful. And maybe you're thinking, Pastor Jamal, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know what the Lord has called me to specifically. And God does have specific works for all of us. And the Bible says that a righteous person's steps are ordered by the Lord. And maybe he hasn't revealed your specific calling. But as Christians, we all have received general callings. And the general calling that we all have is to cultivate an intimate relationship with Jesus. 
And we do that by pursuing him and his heart through prayer, through reading the word, through community, through fasting, through denying ourselves and picking up our cross, through not forsaking the gathering together as believers as much as we can in the pandemic, by being faithful and stewarding our finances, our children, our friendships, our sexuality for his glory. So the two calls here is to be prepared. Make sure you've got some oil. Make sure you're preparing for the marathon and not for the sprint. Make sure you're preaching the gospel to yourself in that one area, those areas in your life that you say, if this doesn't happen, then I'm not going to be faithful that you speak truth to yourself, that you confess that sin so that you can be healed. And the second, be faithful in service. Put to work what God has given you. He has not saved you so that you could sit idly and be passive as a Christian. He has saved you so that you can do good works so that men may see them but glorify your Father who is in heaven. And the way in which we do both of those things is by crying out to God, asking him to help us to stop navel-gazing and to trust him when we can't trace him and by being faithful. And we can do that if we keep our eyes on the cross and keep our eyes on the resurrected Savior. And every Sunday, we gather together and we take a meal called communion to remind us of Christ's faithfulness to us. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, man, he showed what it means to be a good and faithful servant. Though he knew he was about to be betrayed by his best friend and publicly humiliated, stripped naked, beaten, teased and crucified in front of his mama, he remained faithful. And he said to his disciples as they had their last meal uh, together before he was crucified, this is my body broken for you. The same way he took a cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you. Christian, as often as we eat this bread, and drink this cup, we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. A gospel that says, in Christ you are enough. A gospel that says that God has equipped you for every good work. A gospel that says when you fall short and you are not faithful, he is faithful. And that we don't have to waddle in our unfaithfulness, but we can get up knowing that a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again and he struggles forward. A gospel that says he's got you and the best is yet to come. If you're a Christian, we're going to ask you to partake in this meal by eating the wafer that is in front of you. And if 
uh, and then drinking the juice that we have provided. If you're not a Christian, we're going to ask you not to partake in this portion of the meal of service, but rather we want you to just reflect on what was just said. And we don't want you to to sit there and, and, and shame or be embarrassed, but rather we want you to look to Jesus and to know that there are some Christians who are not going to be taking it at this time as they want to spend the time making things right in their heart with God, making sure that they are offering forgiveness to those who have harmed them. Let's eat and let's sing to the Lord. Join me in standing. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit Sojourn Church. Dot com slash Midtown.